your name correctly for me. Uh, my name is Beatriz Morales. We're in Berlin in your stunning studio, um, but you're not from Germany. Where are you from? I am from Mexico City, but I've been living in Berlin for the last almost two, 12 years. Okay, now, so when you say from Mexico City, one, one of the things I always find interesting to talk to artists and people in the creative fields about is their upbringing. So like mm-hmm. basically, how did you become uh, interest in, in the arts? Was it your parents? Was it a teacher? Was it a family member? How did, you know, so what did yeah. your parents do? What did your siblings do? I don't know if you have siblings. My family has nothing to do with the art world at all. I mean, um, I I started to become obsessed with colors and just drawing everywhere since I remember. I guess that was my, I was a very shy girl. So that was my way to communicate um, and it was always like a visual type of uh, language. Yeah, it's very case. often shy people find creative outlets, musicians, writers, you know, painters, things like this. It's very common. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to stores and asking my mom, like, can I have this package of colors? And um, she was like, now, next time. And I actually stole some colors some from time to time because I just needed to have them. Sure. I have done my petty theft in, in my life. <laughs> So you were raised in Mexico. When did you leave Mexico? Why did you leave Mexico? I was raised in Mexico City, but I wasn't raised in a common way because, um, first of all, I have some Lebanese background. Then my mom remarried to a Swiss man who became actually my father. So it was all like a mix of cultures, languages, and um, just the world was pretty much just home. It was not about the country itself. So... The idea of going to another country was completely natural for me, in a way. I mean, I I started traveling very, very young, and uh, I actually left Mexico City when I turned 19 for good. And, uh, I mean, I come and go pretty much, I mean, very, very often, Mm -hmm. because I also work over there. I'm actually surprised that I've been living in Berlin for so long. Really? Why? Because I always thought I was going to be someone like, almost like a gypsy, just maximum three years here, then uh, finding the next, you know, uh, adventure and uh, getting the new inspiration about new inputs and other cultures. I I moved 19 times in, since I left my home, childhood home at 17 years old, I've moved 19 times. So I totally understand that gypsy lifestyle. Yeah, so uh, this is, uh, I'm sometimes like, oh. I've been here too long, but I guess it has to do with uh, with finding the stability in my artwork, in a way, mm. because I I notice that also traveling makes my progress lower. It does. I mean, just the nature of like getting to know a new place, getting comfortable in that place, finding the mediums, even like finding the resources to get your art supplies, even like it takes time and slows everything down. I had the same problem when I moved to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they have horrible art supplies in the Middle East. Like, I know. God, I mean, I, I, I was in Beirut. The stores just don't seem for... to have the quality supplies. Yeah, I was in Beirut only for three months, and then I went to the art supply store, and I was like, do you have this color, this? And it's like, no, but we can order it. It will be here like in five months. And I'm like, okay, well, I just have to find other mediums, which actually free. I was it was really re- liberating sure. because uh, I just have to think differently yeah which was really refreshing. make your own pigments from, <laughs> from ground whatever materials you can find yeah. sure it's very common i like it. my father actually still grinds his own pigment and mixes it in and all this kind of stuff so yeah i get it now so you left berlin then where or sorry you left mexico city i and left then, mexico so what's city the, what's the progress so, so what's the gypsy lifestyle where did you go i started um in italy and i moved to Florence and then I moved to Torino to Turin and I started working there with a gallery and I was just letting everything flow and the thing is that I am a self-taught artist I didn't go to school for that so I was really really just um, it was all about my own my own path of 
you know how how can I progress myself I, I'm a progress like it's not that I didn't have teachers because that's different I think teachers are important it was just the academic school yeah it's just the that nature it of was, like formal training yeah. versus informal training in Florence I I had I looked for some teachers I learned how to paint fresco I learned uh, anatomy I really wanted to to know everything so well, that I place could actually swap to um, abstract painting. It was a weird way, but I just knew I just need to f know how to draw. And by mm -hmm. the time I left uh, high school, the universities, uh, the art academies were a little bit against drawing, a little bit like it was like we don't need to learn how to draw anymore. Um, it was all about conceptual art. And I didn't find it enough. I didn't find that that was the way for me to go. I know. I, I, I ironically eye rolled while you were saying that, but yet my <laughs> master's degree is in new genre art. So I really shouldn't be eye rolling on that because that is actually my terminal degree. But yeah, I mean, as a foundation, they shouldn't be overlooking the craftsmanship and the sort of skill levels that come with sort of, you know, using mediums well. Yeah. To me, it was foundation. very, very important because as I said before, it was my way to communicate to put everything that i had like in my brain and the ideas somehow to yeah to communicate and i just didn't f see myself communicating with uh, just an object hmm. now i see it differently but back then it was to me it was what was important and you were telling me a story before about uh living in france yeah then i moved to france to hmm. the south of france um and I started working over there. I got some deals with um, two galleries, and um, two galleries in France. In France, okay. And I was very young back then, but I was selling, and I was just producing and selling, and uh, which is most artists' dream. Yeah, but I was in a way very innocent with a lot of stuff because I didn't have this uh, this school behind me or these uh, stories of others like it's impossible to sell, it's impossible, it's very hard, you know. I just knew that the, to become an artist is not the easiest, securest way to no. move, build up your life. But No, under no circumstances. Uh, back then I was really, I, I had this luck of just produce and sell. So just to get into like the little bit of the like details of that, mm -hmm. so you were Producing and selling enough to live full time off of your art sales. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I, I had my secure life all done with um, just selling painting. Okay, and then you turned your back on that. Yeah, because it was too secure. It was. It, I've. I have to say that is a weird thing, <laughs> but the thing that it felt so easy made me think I'm doing something wrong. It shouldn't be that easy. I wish I had such difficulties. I'm so sorry for you <laughs> to be selling so well. And then I met I, I met artists uh, that were also living there that were older than me and uh, they were advising me that I should go. Why should what are you staying here? You're not going to you know uh, compete with your own generation, get to know what your generation is doing. And um, one of them advised me to, to have a look at Berlin. And so I I got a spot in an artist residency for three months. And that was almost 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And my plan was to come here for three months. And I completely fell in love with the place like after two days because... I felt like a fish in the water. Everyone was doing the same thing I was doing. Everyone I met was a foreigner, was an artist, doing interesting things, musicians, writers, filmmakers. Yeah, that was very, very attractive. Okay, so I'm new to Berlin. Literally, I've only been here for 24 hours. Yeah, just about 24 hours right now. I know nothing about the art market, the art scene, the people, the goings-ons. I've heard stories about grants and funding and all kinds of different things. So like, give me some insight, some knowledge about that maybe foreigners have wrong about mm -hmm. Berlin. Well, as I said before, I, I'm someone that never really rely on the academic pattern. Uh, so I didn't really make 
a big research about what's going on in that sense in that sense also because my financial situation was quite like sure at that time are you just so, trying to make me jealous is that what you're trying to do uh no it, i'm just trying to tell you what, just like a lucky like a lock, lucky story because everything mm. then changed yeah then it all fell apart then it all fell apart well, yeah. it happens a lot. Artists do it. We I mean, to a certain extent, in some way, we kind of like self-sabotage sometimes. Like if mm -hmm. things are going almost too well and people are appreciating our work too much, we, we're like, uh, we're not pushing it hard enough. So then we I'm just painting react. very safe. I am too commercial. Of course, everyone will like one of these paintings because it just fits to the couch. It's and it's like, then you feel bad about it. The word commercial, like uh, coming from America, we don't really use... We don't we don't really use the term like commercial art versus some other form of art. It's just like there's art that sells better, but like we don't mm -hmm. use that word commercial art. But here in Europe, I hear the word commercial art, which is the basically like decorative art. Basically, you know, it looks good with the couch and things yeah, like this. Yeah, it's, it's almost like insulting to yeah, say. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a dirty word. Commercial. Yeah, it's not. It's it is not a polite thing no. to call somebody commercial work, which is funny because like. I would be happy to do commercial works, I guess. I don't know. I mean, so wh why was it so bad for you? Like at the time, like you were making money, you were doing theoretically what you enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. but, so why did you walk away? Um, I think I had this uh, complex of not, of being self-thought and not going to school and not, probably I thought like I'm not, maybe I'm not understanding the art world as an outsider. I'm I, an um, insider and I don't understand the art world. So education and academia has nothing to do with it. I thought like maybe everyone that went to school, they were ahead of me uh, with knowing how to present their work, with knowing how to talk about their work, to put like a deeper meaning into their works. And um, yeah, so I thought like maybe they know more than me and I'm just making commercial work. I would say they probably just had more practice than you because they were sort of pushed into learning how to do all yeah. that stuff uh, very Plus quickly. Plus connections, because I didn't have. Oh, I mean, that's I've, an interesting conversation. I arrived to Germany, which is, um, it has a lot of opportunities for artists because especially the city of Berlin, I actually got uh, an artist visa. Which Wait, that's was, a visa? I have an artist visa. I got an artist visa. What does that mean? I've never heard of such that thing. That I was able to um, prolong my stay as a Mexican. I can stay only three months. Mm -hmm. But um, there's there was such a thing as an artist visa in this city specifically. And of this Germany. still exists? You have, you were on exists. this now? Yeah. I Tell me more about what an artist visa is. I've never, so never heard of it. So you basically have to prove that you are an artist and that you live from your art or you potentially could work with galleries. How do you prove that? You only have one year because it's a one-year visa. Oh, and you have to renew it every year? Uh, at the beginning, it's only f for one year and then they make it longer. Okay. You just have to prove that you have shows coming up, that you are selling, and uh, yeah, so... Pretty much that you are in the art scene. It's very interesting. So with letters of recommendation or with people that potentially could work with you. Right, but but I'm sort of picturing it like so. Imagine some artist were to come to Berlin, yeah. who's not very social. So like they don't, they're not very active. Like you know, being being seen and going to the openings and all that kind of stuff. And they're maybe not very good with public relations, mm -hmm. but they might be the most amazing artist ever. Yeah. And if they can't do the public relations part, they can't get the visa because if they don't make the connections. So it's, it's not really about skill and no, quality no, they of don't art. Judge. It's not based on, I mean, they're not, they're no, no place to judge if you're a okay. good artist or a okay. bad artist. So the visa thing is, has nothing to do with your actual ability no. No. as an artist. It has to do with simply more or less like your ability to get grants or residencies or exhibitions or whatever, or gallery representation. That's an interesting way to go about it it's good that the, at least they're not at least the government is not trying to get involved in saying what quality art is no not at all i mean there's also a place called bbk which is uh, pretty much an artist community in berlin and what they do is that they gu guide you as an artist as like 
they can help you with your taxes. Uh, they can help you finding a, a studio in the city. I mean, it's uh, you have to fight a little bit for it and you have to make a huge queue. But they are the ones that are in charge of um, help the artist and take care of the artist. I've never heard of any government organization doing any of that anywhere I've ever lived. So any question you have about how do I pay my insurance? How can I enroll into this or that? They are there, there to help you. And, and this is funded I, by the government. This is funded by the government. That's amazing. And me, because I didn't go to any art school, they what they do with my case is, or people in my case, is that uh, twice a year you have to go there and show. I mean, they, they have like an open type of... Um, date for the people that didn't go to school but they are artists so you can prove that you are an artist by showing your work and just talking about your work a little bit so I did that and they gave me like a card and a stamp and it's like okay approve she's an artist <laughs> I love that you have an actual card with an approve is there like a little president's signature on it like the president uh, of the arts well, has approved you are, you, you are, you are uh, part of this BBK and you can also go to museums for free and some some like supply stores you get some discount for example interesting and that was very helpful for my visa that sounds shockingly helpful I, I wish more governments would have such things I mean I come from Mexico right and I don't we don't have that nurture mother <laughs> like uh, I come from the United States and what system. you just expressed is in no way the capitalistic society that I grew up in and this is what makes what I notice that um, it's makes a huge difference between the way I work versus the way an European works elaborate on that I am used to work because it's in my system I am used to work and to see a result. Okay. Put my energy into something and get the energy back. And how does that differ from They are more free. They don't they are not scared of like what if I don't sell? It's just you can just try. They can try. I can't try. I have to do it. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, and it's funny because I've run into this mentality because I come from America, which is very much like you produce an object, you put it up for exhibition, it sells. That's what you do, whether it sells to an institution or an individual, whatever. But you create a product, you sell it. That's what I grew up with in yeah, America. Yeah, the same. It's very Where, similar. In Europe, it's not that way at all. No, I mean, it's, here I have, like, even in this building, there are very ways to be living as an artist. There are many artists here that are, uh, have been in these studios for 25 years. They are artists. They sell from time to time. Some of them don't sell, but they are still artists. And it's just the pressure of this commercial type of... Uh, success or what we on the other side of the world call su success yeah i mean this is a that's uh, a big charged free word from that they are so how do they sustain that lifestyle like is it grants is it um the majority with grants okay yeah yeah i since i moved here i mean i've only been in europe less than two years the, the idea of grants has become this massive thing that totally changes everything. Because what I, from, like, I remember being in America and we looked at Europe and we were like, oh God, the Europeans are doing these conceptual things, these large scale mm -hmm. things, these, these colossal scale things, these immense experiences. Like they're, they're going like way outside the box. Whereas in America, we're basically like, okay, Print your photograph, put it in a frame, put it on the wall so somebody can buy it. Like, that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, in Mexico, the majority of the artists that are um, just making more sound are, I have to say, they come from rich families. It's, there's no other way. There are help, for, I mean, there are some stuff that the government puts out there, but it's just so, it's minimal. It's minimal. I am not informed enough about Mexico and its support for the arts to make any intelligent conversation about it but i'll let you make, express your opinion on it it is minimal and and i i also think it's quite sometimes unfair that uh, people that can really afford to 
sustain themselves because they have their family support that they apply for this type of scholarships because i mean it even happens in america a lot though I mean, it's that's just not for a... the oh we're just gonna tick the box in my cv well i mean in america i mean the the people who go to yale and chicago art mm-hmm. institute and all these people i mean they're generally pretty well connected pretty well to do families and people i mean very rarely do you ever hear about somebody coming from poverty ending up getting their masters in painting from yeah. yale it just doesn't happen that much mm-hmm. so like this kind of issue this kind of separation of of this elitist culture that surrounds the art world is everywhere I mean, I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a participant in it. I am, yeah. not, you know, so I'm judging myself as much as I'm judging everybody else on this. But yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, it's a very privileged lifestyle to be able to devote your time, your energy, whatever, to the arts. I'm not saying that they don't struggle. Of course, like as an artist, everyone struggles. I mean, we all have our own demons, no? We do. That is uh, already enough. <laughs> But it's sometimes I find it a little bit uh, almost unfair that on top of all this creative process that you have to just deal with it every day, you still have to deal with the other half. Okay, what's your what's the other half in your mind? You have to put your work out out there. I mean, if you don't put your work out there, uh, then the cycle is not complete. But that's a very hard thing to do. It sucks. I mean, most people that I know anyways, and I forget, I'm not even going to talk about other people. I'll talk about myself. I got into the arts because I don't want to go into business. Yeah. I I watched people. I remember one time I'd been out partying all night, Mm -hmm. doing a bunch of drugs, all kinds of crazy shit. And we were up, literally, we were still up in the morning having had this amazing night. And we're watching all these businessmen walking and women walking to their offices. And they just looked so sad. And all I said was, no matter what I do in my life, I don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) and then now you know 20 years later i'm now realizing that well i mean i realized a long time ago but generally i'm now realizing that being an artist you have to be a business person yeah and that doesn't uh save you from not being sad on top of it i have to say i went to a party to an artist party in mexico city and it was packed with artists everyone was artists, like some really famous some less famous but everyone like really just professionals and uh, three of them had like already a stroke the other one looked completely like I can walk the other can move a finger I mean everyone looked completely like exhausted ill drunk uh, drunk drinking and drug abuse drug (laughs) abuse (laughs) alcohol problems um so it's also like well but there but it's funny there's an interesting conversation and I've had this over the decades which is do the arts attract people who are alcoholics and drug abusers and have mental problems and things like this? Or does the, does the arts cause that? Yeah. So like, I mean, to a certain extent, the unique minded people, we'll call them, you know, to be polite, because I'm including myself in this. I'm as mentally ill as every other artist. I just guess it has to do with the openness of let's just try everything. Because you are a bit more open, I I think. I hope. Like, then it's like, okay, let's try this. Let's see what this feels like. My general rule is I try everything once. And if I don't like it, I don't do it twice. Yeah. <laughs> like, whether that's working in the arts or whatever. You know, just so like, you just push it a little bit more. I, I know. Well, that's the thing is, is like, so, so people who have maybe like slightly non-traditional mental states and or alcohol dependencies, mm-hmm. drug use. I mean, I, I'm speaking this from, I was a drug user for many years. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not pointing fingers at other people, but I feel like maybe the arts attracts those kinds of people. Like it, it so like it's a, it's a type of a person that chooses a lifestyle. I just guess it has to do with being obsessed, like an obsessive person. Obsessive. Okay. I mean, if you do something, you try to do it deep <laughs> full on i mean why not halves what's the point yeah i i don't like putting doing anything halfway there's just there's no reason for it so that's the other side of my story in berlin where all my french dream just <laughs> fall apart and i start like producing working with galleries here and selling shit 
So I Wait, didn't selling shit like selling like, nothing. 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 Re- like okay. One year, two years, three years, and all my um yeah, I just ran out of money. And what do you do when you start running out of money? You just party like there's no tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I'm not well I, my party habits are very expensive, so I'm not sure I would be able to do that. Yeah, but I guess as a woman it's easier. <laughs> I understand. Yes, I totally get that. But yeah, I forgot the gender thing, yeah. Okay, so so you came to Berlin and then you and then basically you changed your style and then you also changed your market because you went from France to Germany mm-hmm. and, and you found that it just doesn't uh, that particular transition just didn't work. What do you do? What? How did you get yourself out of that? I have to say that uh, I, I just I was really I couldn't deal with rejection. Like the fact that I, we I felt completely all have to deal with rejection. Uh, an outsider, like I will even if I speak German now, I speak quite fluent German, but I still have the stigma of like I'm a foreigner. I didn't go to school. I don't have connections. Uh, I can't roll to any academic thing because it will take me forever to try to even enroll because of the degrees that they, you require to have before going to school. Um, the galleries, I'm, um, one is just went bankrupt. The other one is not paying. They sold a work. They put half a price. I'm trying to deal with all these things and not understanding what the whole thing is all about at some point it's like and what what do i even do this and so it started to question uh why i mean why why do why bother and what is the message that i it really i need really need to transmit that is still like you know so necessary to keep on working as an artist so all these questions just like arrive as an avalanche, and uh, I almost stopped working for three years. Okay. And I was just enjoying my life in the party scene until, until I got really ill, until it was too much, <laughs> and I was about to call my parents, like you have to rescue me, take me out of this city. Mm-hmm. I can't. But um. It didn't happen, <laughs> and I continue with it, and I just starting to um, just work with my hands even more. As like, I went to to an etching studio, which is a different mm-hmm. process, and it needs it requires so much discipline and steps, and you can you cannot. I mean, you have the time as a factor. Just to be clear, you're talking about etching, like printmaking kind yeah. of etching. Okay, so. Here in Germany, especially in Berlin, there were many studios and uh, it's quite like a big tradition. In Mexico as well, but here is even more like Oh, older. absolutely. So um, I went to the studio. I pretend I knew how to <laughs> because he asked me, the teacher was like, do you know how to? And I said, yes, of course I know because I didn't want to go there with other students. And I asked him if I could start at 8 p.m. when everyone was gone hmm. because I just wanted to focus on a specific project so I was with YouTube tutorials all the way trying to find out how how this thing works <laughs> did you find enough tutorials yeah, yeah I'm actually really good now <laughs> yeah okay I'm it's my I'm I've been teaching photography for I don't know more than 20 years now mm-hmm. and recently I came to the point of like why do I even teach all of the, like all of the literal like the basics mm-hmm. the, the the shutter speed aperture lens length all I mean because there are some amazing YouTube videos out there there is no reason whatsoever to learn that stuff from a teacher yeah like so well, the, so I try to literally like send my students all that stuff they can learn that on their own they can also refer back to that on their own i will teach them the things that i have expertise in mm-hmm. that i can the unique things that only i can teach them versus these sort of fundamental things which youtube is fabulous and gluttony they, there's a glut of them everywhere about anything i still think that 
personal teacher is better. But <laughs> but well, uh, a personal teacher is I better, made many like, many mistakes two, at step two. At step two, you yeah. know, like step one, like the the absolute basic stuff, like how do you use a stylus on an etching plate, like mm-hmm. you know, really basic stuff. Yeah. There's no reason to waste a teacher's time with that. There are yep. YouTube videos for that. So. That is that is my way of just pretending I know, and then I make a lot of mistakes, and I was like, I yeah. <laughs> we all do that. It doesn't matter if we've been in school or not. We all do that. Even if we, I mean, I can remember times where I had teachers, and teachers would sit there and do tutorials, like do like this, and like I would go back to do that assignment mm-hmm. a week later, and I'd be like, fuck, I forgot everything the teacher said, and I would make every mistake in the book until I figured out, yeah. oh yeah, that was what they said, and that's why they what they said because I made the mistake that they told us not to do. Hey, like, school, not school. It's all the same. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Now you're living in Berlin and you have this really, really beautiful studio. And so now the thing is, so you you moved from France. You're now here in Berlin. Mm -hmm. First three years, you're making no money and partying hard. Yeah. How do you turn it around and then how do you get to what I'm now seeing is what looks like a, a I'm guessing mm-hmm. that you now sell your artwork and or get mm-hmm. grants or get whatever residencies or whatever, but you're supporting yourself wholly by your art? Yes, fully. So, you know, that's astounding uh, to me. So like, please. Well, I have to remind you about this visa story. So after these three years, passed by I had to renew my visa again so how do I prove that I'm selling and that I have shows coming up Uh, so uh, the system forced me to get my shit together and um, that's a good system yeah so they didn't know that I was partying that much so what what can you do in those situations you know you're an artist you're not working as an artist right now but um, just have to fake a little bit. <laughs> we all do. So I asked my closest friends, can you buy an artist, uh, 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 an art piece? Mm-hmm. And I started selling my artwork to my closest friends. I, I got all this money in and I got my stamp and I got, I gave them the money back. Because we are all artists. They needed the money. It's sure. not like they can afford to buy artwork. Yeah, you just gamed the system. It's fine. So that gave me a bit more time to organize myself for real. Mm-hmm. So I had to make the decision. Like, I have to... I, I decided to give myself two years to do my best. Like, for real. Right. I really push so, it. So at this point, it was a C. So you... We were trying to be an artist for three years. Then you partied for three years. And now two more years. So we're eight years into Berlin. Yeah, it's like pretty much the last four years that I've been really like just professionally living out of my art again. I'm incredibly envious and adm- admiring of this ability. Um, so help us, tell us, how, what, how have you made this work for you? I started to contact i mean you just just somehow know one person that is in the art world or related to so how can you start i was like i know no one but i know one person so i approached to this one person to ask for an advice no advice sorry i can't link you sorry this and that i mean i'm not in the position to link you to the galleries but you can come to this party so i went to a party then I meet someone and this person's like, oh, you're Mexican. Yeah, maybe you can show your work to this and this person. Mm-hmm. And it just starts, I guess it was just a matter of deciding it for real. Mm-hmm. That That's what I want. And uh, somehow things started to just uh, work out. I got an invite to exhibit um, in a small place in Switzerland and they start selling. So I was living in Berlin with Swiss money. Wait, hold on. You got an invitation from a gallery in Switzerland? It, was, it wasn't a gallery. It was more like a collector who a collector. was organizing two exhibitions a year with dinners. So I had to be present there with six different people every night to talk about my work. And sounds lovely. I'd love to go to Switzerland and have dinner. That sounds great. <laughs> 
a friend told me um, that luck is quite like being ready. I just have to produce, and I was ready when they I got the invite. I was ready. I was like, I got the work. Mm-hmm. I I can say yes because I've been working. I have it. Sure. I just I was just taking one step after the other. Somehow, uh, trying to understand how everyone is. I mean, how the ones you admire are working and look the steps, which grants are they asking for? Which residencies do they go to? And nowadays I have to say that the game is changing so much. Okay. With, for instance, Instagram. I was going to get to social media, so go ahead, yeah. It's a little bit like what happened with the, with the musicians and... Um, you know, with MySpace mm-hmm. back in the days, like maybe how, how long ago, 15, 20 years, I, I where you track could just uh, put yourself out there and what is then the point of a music label? Uh-huh. If you could just just send the music out to the world you're on your own yep. through your computer. Right, which now we can do through Instagram. So the same with um, with the with the visuals now through Instagram. I mean, as a painter, it's just quite straightforward. Well, it's an interesting question because like, do people still want the actual objects or do they just want to have experience seeing the image? I just, I know from many publishers that they just publish work that looks good on a picture regardless of if it's a good work or a bad work. Some a lot of amazing work is not doesn't really look good on a picture. Sure. And the other way around, like then you see the real work, it's like, what is this? It looks really good on the picture, but the real thing is a disappointment. But somehow everyone is in love with this fakeness of Don't say everyone. There are people that are very much against this yeah. stuff. Yeah. But the people who are into it are wholeheartedly into it for sure it's a double side coin because i think on the other hand it makes it easier for people that maybe are shy to go to a gallery to approach to the art scene also i think it's lovely when i get a message of someone that is completely new to the art scene and just asking questions that seem sometimes obvious but i think it's just nice that they there too approach mm-hmm. so now are you active on social media then i'm very active very active so how many followers i think i have like two thousand something okay it's more than me so i can't say I am, stick at it. i am active in the way of like in an organic way active it's not like i am um i am making make probably making a post twice a month Oh, that's not very active. I consider it too active because no, to no, me it's a lot. It's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, that's the question about social media: is how much time, effort, and energy should you be putting into something like this versus, well, time, mm-hmm. effort, and energy in the studio producing work itself? Because if social media is the the great next thing for the arts world, shouldn't we be putting more time into that? Well, I am working now with a gallery in Mexico and they openly told me that they feel super threatened by the social media, that Mm. they really don't know what to do because they think like they go to Dallas Art Fair, they present their artist and they know by a fact that these artists are getting other deals through Instagram, through the art fair, and then they are jumping the gallery. So they feel a little bit like screwed, like. So what's our position then? And um, well, that, that's interesting because the, like that then leads to the question of like uh, exclusive uh, contracts with galleries. It seems like the galleries don't mm-hmm. want to create exclusivity. Like they don't want to offer those exclusive contracts. But then they get all upset when people sell through other outlets yeah. other than them. So and it's, it's like you can't have it both ways. Exactly. So they have to decide. What I mean, game they really want to play. Because- I mean, if a, if a gallery wanted to basically to sort of take control over that artist's career mm-hmm. in some way and, and, and be their point person for publicity and public relations, then they need to put in, you know, put their cards all in, throw their throw their hat in the ring and, and sign an exclusive contract. Yeah, and pretty much give you even a salary. 
because that's like, an interesting well see that's an interesting question of like that how the exclusivities work like i know of galleries that do that yeah but i know of other galleries that don't do that i know a lot of galleries that you have to pay everything and then even give them commissions so i don't know it's just uh there are just many ways to do to live out of art, I think, to, to do your career. You just have to take care about a lot of these things. I, for instance, don't sign anything. Really? I No contracts? I don't sign contracts. I just sign responsibility for the artwork I'm sending until when I want it back. A consignment, yeah. I just commit to to the show that we agree on. And... Uh, I, cons- I I try to keep myself as an independent artist because um, I there was a moment two years ago that I was working with three different galleries and I couldn't sell anything and they were not selling and I was just like, what is this weird thing? I mean, they have 20 artists to sell. I only have my own art to sell. So how do you do that if they are not selling and then all your artwork is completely blocked? Interesting. Okay. So, uh, so this is the thing. Like some artists are everywhere, exhibiting everywhere, but they don't live from their art. It's just you could actually be even exhibiting at the Venice Biennale. That doesn't mean that you can live from your art. I've known actually uh, stories about lots of people who are in biennales and and art fairs and all these kinds of things that they they can't even sell their art, even though they're in very prestigious mm-hmm. things and places. So it's very interesting how like those don't equate in in people outside the art world. When they see somebody in a Biennale or somebody being presented, you know, in in high echelons of art fairs, they go, oh boy, they must be living the life. They're making lots of money, selling lots of art. Yeah, they are successful, but it's completely, it's not always true. They are successful. They're successful because they made it and they can put their ideas in this big scale that's success to me but on the other hand i don't know it's um it's the academic success it's the recognition the ego success but well it also goes back to the question of what is the definition of success mm-hmm, exactly. because every artist every person in the arts industry has a different definition of success like even when I started this podcast, I had an idea of mm-hmm. success. And in all honesty, through my conversations, I'm like, nah, I think I need to change my definition because I my original definition was very shallow and petty. That I think the, the idea of success is so personal because it has to do with what is your real goal with, with the art. If it's to create whatever you want to create and you achieve that, it's a success. My real goal when I started was I wanted to be in the art history books as the primary mm-hmm, example mm-hmm. of whatever movement that I have now part of the art created. history. Yeah, that was that was one of my and and now I feel so petty and shallow having said that. It's like oh that was stupid, but that was that was my original goal. Yeah, yeah. My original goal was uh, just to paint all day long and someone will knock on my door with a oh wow you no, have that's some, a dream you know? <laughs> that's, a, that, that's what that is that's a that's a and then you, you arrive to this reality dream. and it's some it's it's when you face the art scene it, it just makes no sense because it's completely the opposite of what you're doing inside a studio well, you're you, you with your ideas and this uh, fantasy of creating another way of looking at the world or creating another door. Um, I mean, someone is. Some people work more in a more personal level. Others work with more polit like politics and like other type of ideas that they want to share t- with the world. Mm-hmm. Social issues, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then you talk about. Um, how capitalism sucks, but then you are selling your work really, really pricey. I know you're not looking at me when you said that, but okay, people, other artists. Right, so you criticize the system, but then you are more in the system than anyone else. It's a very contradictory, it's 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 always really black and really white. Hmm. So 
I also know many artists that enjoy enjoy more like the whole hustling than being in a studio. It's also another way. I mean, it's there, like almost like dogs with rapies. Like, like I need to get the spot. If I don't get it, the one next to me is gonna get it. You know, it's always like a, a very competitive type of, full with anxiety scenario. Oh, I have tons of anxiety. I take Xanax for that. But the competitiveness, yeah, I learned many long, many years ago that. Uh, I'm not in competition with anybody else because nobody else does what I do. It, it's just, it's purely opinion. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent individual opinion. So whoever looks at it, like I've got a friend of mine who's a really great collector and mm-hmm. she's looked at my work and she's, and I've gone out with her to art mm-hmm. and she's fallen in love with works that I'm like, are you kidding me? That's yeah. horrible. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't, she won't buy my work yeah. because she doesn't like what I do. So it's so personal. It like is very personal. There, so you're not in competition. No, but none no, of us are in competition. Of with course each other. not. But that's a, that's a hard. That is a tough. It's. I think it's a. It's a lesson that it took me some time to learn. We're in competition. Like if there's a grant or a residency, sure mm-hmm. you're in competition to. Yeah. Re- receive that award or that grant or whatever. But as far as like the ability to share an idea and make a sale and all that, there is nothing that you can write, say, or do that will seduce a buyer into buying your art over somebody Definitely. else's work. Definitely. But it's it's a little bit of this fear of missing out that you see someone that is in every opening and I am not. And it's like, it doesn't matter if this person is works more or less or better. I mean, it has nothing to do with the quality of work, but with the persistence of being present that it does help. Okay. And so now you are living full time from your art sales. Yeah. You have a gallery in Mexico. I have, I work with, a ga- I'm going to make a show in two weeks with a gallery in Mexico. Okay. No gallery in Germany or not yet. No. Okay. Not yet. So, so in other words, you haven't had one and you left them or the anything? Thing like, is just that you've had none. I haven't really been pushing my work with any gallery. This gallery in Mexico came to me. Pushing your example. work with a gallery won't work anyway. Exactly, right? So I don't do it. I guess it's, uh, it's harder to find a good gallery. It's harder to find a gallery that is good for you than a partner. <laughs> like somehow good friends are easier to find. Good partners are easier to find. Oh, a, gallery a gallery is basically a relationship. I mean, if if it's a, a a gallery that's going to help you build your career and and be with you for the longevity of it all, it's about as intimate as any relationship you'll have in your life. So that's part of um, also when I realized that that I can't really force it or influence that, I decided to, you know, ride my own horse. As like, okay, I have to organize something. I have to put my work out. I can't wait until someone comes and knock on my door. And that means just with the few connections I have, um, try to exhibit my work, even if it's not uh, an important place. I try to push it in a um, just an award of painting in Mexico, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got in. And then, then it was easier. Once you get like the first thing, then the second comes easier. So it's all about pushing yourself out for the first thing. Oh yeah, I know. And and, and then it's this snowball effect, basically. Like yeah. The- now I I have two solo shows in museums, which is just like completely unexpected. Wait, without- what? What? <laughs> yeah, I just Where? got one in Ju- in June in Mexico in downtown in the like a governmental. Um, museum. I got invited. It's, it's I, very I, interesting. Wait, as you were saying that, you slowly like tapered yeah, it's off. Just so, you, <laughs> it's so say, weird, say it, right? Say it. <laughs> because I, I still don't even believe it. I'm again just like flat, you know, floored by and and quite envious. I'm like, how? Wh- what is the thing you're doing? How have you? You're you're as far as like academic or mm-hmm. not academically, but like on paper, what you're explaining to me about your life, you live off of your art sales. You have solo shows in museums around the world. You are quite literally living most artists' dreams. 
and yeah. yet you're you're sitting here like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. No, yes, yet I am not part of the system per se, like in like officially, officially in a way, because Who my said- career is different. It's it's not like I have the back. My back is not taken care of by any gallery or any. But that's the point of this like podcast. Like big collect- collector. But like, that's what I'm talking about with this podcast is that the market itself is very different. It mm-hmm. has changed dramatically yeah. over the past 30 years or so. And there are so many different ways to, let's say, be part of the arts culture. And that's community. what I said to you before. I am pretty much doing everything the other way around. Well, but you're doing it in a successful way. The thing is that all these uh, complexes that I had, I turned them into my assets. So, okay, I'm a, I didn't go to school. That's going to go really up in my CV. I am a Mexican woman living in Germany. I'm not German. I didn't go to school in Germany. So I'm just presenting more the reality of it without being just, uh, you know, a bit like ashamed that I didn't follow the proper path i don't understand where you keep bringing up these topics of like feeling ashamed and not doing things right and all this uh because it's not like by the book i don't care who can there is no book i mean there is there's the (laughs) academic concepts but they don't work i've been uh, like i've been to a lot of like this um and interviews and talks about how to collect artwork, how to do this and that, how to start collections. And everyone is like, you have to look at the CV. You have to look where this person exhibited. You have to look with which teachers they studied with. And it is it is like that. Here, it is very, very strong. Like, you really have to have a good teacher. And uh, But that's only here. But, I mean, you're just, you just said you're having exhibitions in Mexico. Yeah, so, maybe, so that's the thing. So I'm, like, pushing it. Well, and see, this is actually, this brings up an interesting topic because I've, when I was living in the United States, yeah. my biggest market was Germany. Mm-hmm. When I moved to the United Arab Emirates, my biggest market, Germany. Mm-hmm. Now that I live in Prague, my biggest market, well, is not in Prague, let's just say. Yeah. So what I'm, what a lot of artists seem to think that they have to be mm-hmm. whatever, call it successful. Let's just use that word. Financially successful, whatever, selling, exhibiting, granting, whatever, in their own community. But I have never sold in my own community. It's always some other market. And, yeah. and like one of the things that a lot of artists don't understand is it's just because you live somewhere it doesn't mean that that's where your market is exactly and this is a f- right now my biggest market is germany even if my exhibitions are in mexico so i exhibit in mexico but i sell in germany you're very uh, confusing yeah it is it's the art scene it's like that i mean nothing makes sense it, uh, and my asset is like what makes me different and probably more attractive to the Mexican scene is that I don't live in Mexico, that I live in Berlin. Mm. I think it's easier for me that I'm living abroad to make some more noise in Mexico than if I would be living in Mexico City. That's, yeah, it's the sort of illusion of you not being there, kind of like, ooh, they surprised us, they showed up with an exhibition, even though they're from here, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though yeah. their parents live here and their brothers and sisters live here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a common thing. It, it's like when you see something. It's when you see something all the time, you stop seeing it. Yes. But then when it's sort of random and and uh, and only happening once, uh, kind of thing, like you suddenly see it mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's a very normal trait to that uh, of seeing something on a regular basis. And uh, on the same, I mean, I guess that also allows me to see Mexico from a distance and just, you know, this detachment allows me to even understand the culture more. So I guess that's why it's also attractive. One of the things that I've run into in uh, talking to galleries and places like this is that they're talking about how 
the, it's to a certain extent, it's easy to meet a curator, but the the most difficult part is not just the meeting of the curator, mm-hmm. but trying to transcend that and make and grow that relationship to make the relationship to the point where it is actually said, you know, so that not only did you meet them, mm-hmm. but then at some point you can say, oh, I met this curator and two years later, this curator has now chosen to exhibit my work mm-hmm. in their next exhibition. That is the 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 key that is the most difficult thing to f- figure out how to do yes i i'm um, i mean i don't know many curators at all most but, of us don't know many yeah but i have this um i had this show in 2017 and in mexico and i knew about this really awesome curator that was taking care of the humex museum and i just tried to I was asking from from friend to friend if not someone knew him, and at some point I got his email address, and I decided to write him. That is the the advantage of a computer that you don't have to face sometimes people, sure, yeah. and you can dare to ask whatever they can reply or not. Anonymity makes us all very bold. Yeah, so uh, I asked. I told him that I was going to make a show and. I asked him maybe if he has an assistant that um, could help me out to create my own exhibition. And to my surprise, he he was uh, he replied like asking, "What exactly do you need?" And then I said like, "Well, I need someone that helps me selecting the works, writing a small text about it, and just being there in the process to to hang, so that everything makes sense." And he replied to my surprise, "I do it." I was like, I couldn't believe it because, first of all, he creates in a contemporary art museum that is m- mostly installations, videos, and not painting. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I, I couldn't believe that he was actually interested in creating a small show of paintings from an unknown artist. And so I asked him, how, so how much do you charge? Because like, it's, it's, it's important to ask that secondly, no, like not leaving, to the, leaving mm-hmm. it to the end. Never do that. And, uh, and he said, well, what's the, what's the gallery's budget? And I said, like, pretty much none. But what I can, what I can suggest is that you get 20% of the sales, which I was super sure that we were going to sell because a lot of people were expecting my work to be shown in Mexico after so many years. And I, everyone just said like, oh, next time you come, please tell me and I would love to have some works of yours. We made the show, we sold nothing. And I was so embarrassed to the, to the uh, curator. Like mm. I... I was like, fuck, how am I going to face him? And he has a family. I know he's living from it. And he's such a well-known person. And uh, and there he is, like, risking it with me. So and how angry was he? He was like, well, it's not your fault. I, I, I say yes. This was the deal. It's true. He did. Sort so, of, he signed on yeah. to the risk. He was super committed. He was really, like, into really trying to understand what I was doing and we actually became really good friends mm. and uh, till the date we, we I still sometimes talk to him and ask him what do you think about this or that but he hasn't included me in another show uh, we work for an art fair together by accident again mm. which was a ple- pleasant thing but it was not that he was consciously choosing my work so I don't know Maybe in the future he will include my work, but it hasn't happened. 2017, that's not that long ago. It's, uh, give it time. Mm-hmm. So I gave, I gave him a work. That's well, fair like. Yeah, but th- that brings up a thing that I, I've talked to other gallerists and curators about that I had no idea that this happened, which was the idea of a curator being getting a percentage of mm-hmm. a sales kind of thing like that to me seems like it's only come about in the last five to ten years because yeah. when I was young and, and naive curators were sort of in their ivory tower and, and they were they worked for museums and they were untouchable and they yeah. were untainted and and the idea of a curator 
the choices of what to put in and, and even potentially what to write and all this kind of stuff in some way being affected by the potential sales mm-hmm. feels like it's like sullying the water of, of the, the purity of a curator. Well, it's no difference. I mean, most of them, they just get the money in front. I mean, it's not, it has this... Oddly enough, like getting the money up front doesn't bother me because they're, they're they do a job, they're paid for the job they do. Done. Mm-hmm. But doing it for a percentage. The, he would have earned any, anyways less than just what they normally charge. Yeah, but it's not about the it's not about the value of the money or the value of the time and the money. It's about the trust that the curator made the choice by the the quality of the work mm-hmm. instead of based on the idea of what would sell. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think he. I mean, in his case, I I'm know. Not talk- yeah, no, wait. I'm not I know talking specifically he, to this person. I'm saying he, in general. Yeah, I understand your point. But I, I know from, I mean, in this particular case, he chose, he chose the work that he that he liked, that it makes sense to him. It, not necessarily the most, like, sellable ones. As I said, I'm not questioning your particular situation, but I'm just saying the entire sort of concept of curators getting a percentage mm-hmm. of sales means that the curators are encouraged to choose works to include in the exhibition that would better sell than represent the quality of the work or of the artist yeah i i know I, I, yeah i know what you mean but i think also the galleries demand sometimes that yeah, curators yeah they do have a yeah so it, okay I think they also find themselves uh, in the same situations than some artists that just the galleries just want more sellable things. This is too white. It's not going to sell type of thing. Okay, fair enough. You also brought up another thing about having the curator write a statement for the Mm -hmm. exhibition, which makes me think about uh, statements that you write for grants and residencies and things like this. Do you write your own statements? I write some parts of it, but I work with my partner, who's also an artist, but he's a musician, and we've been working together for four years, so we are pretty much a team. I mean, I'm the one painting, and he's quite like the producer of my, uh-huh. of, of my um, you know. So you have a, a co-writer or an editor of your, of your text kind of stuff. Yes, I'm not very good with words, and he's amazing. So it's like putting one and one together to make a stronger impact. Oh, I'm just wondering because uh, you know, I think I feel like I'm really bad with mm-hmm. basically putting words to describe my own images because I feel like I need time and distance and and, and separation. Um, it is a it's a hard thing to do. It's like I feel like the mother, and I have to talk about my children. What am I going to say? Of course, they are great, they're lovely. Look at this, you know. But it's then the blind love for my own work, and it's sometimes not, you know, not not what people needs to hear. It's because, not what what people want to hear. Yeah. So, um, why would why wouldn't I allow someone else to talk better about my own stuff? Well, I've heard stories about uh, artists hiring writers, ghost writers, or grant or mm-hmm. curators or whatever to basically write their artist statements and or their grants with or for them. And I find that idea, uh, to a certain extent, kind of enticing. Like the idea of yes. like just if yeah. I could just pay somebody else to write my grant mm-hmm. applications for me, I would find that money somehow. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's honestly just. Joining forces, even if a painter's career seems like a solo career, it's not. You need people. You need people to around you. You need someone to help you out. If you can, um, if you know of someone that knows how to write, why would you write your own things? Ask him. Ask this person. I mean, make your presentation stronger. Okay, it's good. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. So. In summation, so we're gonna try and let's try and wind this all down now a little bit. So I have two final questions, mm-hmm. which I know you've asked, listened to the podcast, so generally yeah. you know what these two questions are. I try to change up the first question a little mm-hmm. bit. So <laughs> first question is, is basically, 
some advice, some story, uh, some, it could be a, a story of stay away from this mm-hmm. or don't do that. Yeah. Or a story of, I found that this worked for me mm-hmm. and that's it. So there you go. You can just tell that story. It's not a judgment on anybody else about how they can try and become whatever definition of success mm-hmm. they have in the arts world. I think um, personally, right? Uh, <laughs> the whole podcast is just your personal opinion, so go to it. Um, if I could turn back time, I would tell to myself 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to just see every art piece as the body of work. I mean, not to focus so much on each piece. Because that puts such an amount of pressure that is so unnecessary. If you see the whole thing as a whole picture, as my body of work, that's what matters. I'm in a process. I can share the process. It's no problem. Share the process. Don't wait until you think it's perfect. That moment is never going to happen. And it's just going to make you miserable. I mean, it's about sharing the process. If you can... Put it in your system that you are just sharing a process. Everything will change, I think. It's just a perspective. And then, yeah, it's just a more natural way. And it doesn't add this uh, weird pressure that you put to yourself. So I will, I think, if you could see it like that, it just makes everything easier. I understand. That sounds great. And my final question, which is the sticking point of lots of people, is about the question of Mm -hmm. trying to get a piece of my artwork into the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Mm -hmm. I have gone elaborately about it in previous episodes, so I'm not going to do it again. So, And you already (laughs) know what the question is. So what would your advice be to try and get, to achieve the outcome, the quantifiable outcome of a piece of my artwork on exhibition in the Museum of Modern Art in New York? I think you should just Keep doing what you're doing. You don't know it, but maybe it's going to be this podcast. Maybe this is the piece that's going to go inside the museum. I have created a hashtag to go with this this goal as well. I believe it's exhibit my work at mm-hmm. MoMA, mm-hmm. I think is what I put. Oh. I forget what it is. So I'm trying. I'm doing what I can. And I will be doing all the recommendations that everybody tells me. And I will be keeping everybody involved in the whole process as I go. So it's yeah, I think it's I think this is already a, an interesting subject enough to I mean, if you pursue, if you still believe if you still believe in it in ten years. I've been doing this now for the, almost thirty years, so I don't think the next ten years is going to change anything. I don't know. It's I, I mean I, as I said, it's all part of processes, and some processes are slower than others. I think my process is maybe slower than others or faster than others who knows it's just a different i mean time is just very relative yeah maybe we go to the moma together i look forward to going moma again that'd be great yeah i'll, I'll gather everybody from the podcast we'll all go to moma and see my piece on yes. exhibition there at some point <laughs> about five years from now yeah who knows right well, I, fig- I figure like even if in a perfect world, if I were to get like the perfect advice and I achieve it perfectly, mm-hmm. MoMA already has their exhibition scheduled three to five years in advance. So it's yeah. still going to take a couple more years before it could even happen. Yeah, but maybe they open like a different program where they just... They just show podcasts. <laughs> no, they have these... I mean, here a lot of museums in Germany, they have a room... That is an experimental room where young artists can submit their work. That would be interesting. I don't know if MoMA has that. It didn't have that last time I was there, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have it now or in the future. Maybe a curator from MoMA is hearing this Mm -hmm. and might create that Mm -hmm. just for Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Love it. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Matthew. (laughs) 